This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself as Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Hey, folks, welcome to It's KLN Husker Hour. I'm your host, KLN Sports Director Tim Curran. I'm going to be joined in a moment, too, by Cole Stukenholt here for you on a Saturday. We're here till 10. Here, recap of the week in everything Huskers. Right now, we got 69 degrees in the capital city, sunny skies. Go out and enjoy the day, folks, until the afternoon, because if you're looking probably right around 3 o'clock, uh, at least judging by this app I'm looking at, I am not a meteorologist, I should should stress that. Uh, looking at some thunderstorms probably today, um, which might last out throughout the evening, actually, So and, and even overnight. So you're going to want to get out and enjoy the day right now. But first, I think you can stick around for us until 10. I think you got a, you got a little bit of time left to enjoy this day. Um, and in fact, if you were up late last night, or rather I should say earlier this morning, uh, watching some Big Ten baseball, some Nebraska ball, uh, Big Ten after hours, then yeah, you probably are, are having a little bit of a groggy wake-up call. Uh, I, folks, I did not, uh, I have to admit this, I did not make it to the end <laughs> of the game. I, I called it quits. I pulled the golden parachute, so to speak, and I, I, I hit the eject button, and I think I was safely asleep by the fifth inning. Um, so I was, um, I, I was not going to hang in there. Cole, did you make it all the way to the end? Fear not. I did. Oh my God. <laughs> I stayed up until the bitter end. One seventeen a.m. I was pretty close. You said one fifteen. I, I said that was pretty close. It, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. So yeah. Yeah. Made it all the way up, uh, to the end, uh, 10 to eight. It was, it was a tight one close to the end and thought Nebraska might have a chance to come back there, but yeah, I mean, I'm the the thing that strikes me as we sit here on Saturday morning with the regular season finished, Tim, is when we last saw our heroes, <laughs> it was right after Arizona right. State had just waxed Nebraska in Lincoln, coming off the heels of the Northwestern series, and we were talking about like the future of the program and <laughs> what do you do about Darren Erstad and. I mean, it was a dark place. Yeah, we gave Urshad the kiss of death there, didn't we? They scored. What was, they they had only scored uh, more than four runs, I think, in six games uh, mm-hmm. since the Purdue series, and two of them were blowout losses, and one of them was to UNO. Right. And all of a sudden, they win two to one. Then they win. Uh, they scored eight runs, I think, in the finale against Arizona State. They scored uh, five, seven, and eight against Michigan. Uh, they they've turned the offense around somehow. Um, right. The starting pitching was kind of what you uh, what you had there for a while there, but uh, if you can get that kind of offensive production, then Nebraska's got a shot to make some noise in the postseason. Which is, let's be honest, that's been where Darren Erstad has really struggled as a head coach. Yeah, I have some more thoughts on that, but in a moment, first I have to complain about BTN. BTN, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you suggest you're going to play this game at eight o'clock so you can. What, have some programming then? Just play campus seats like we know we're going to play. They play campus seats 24-7. I think campus seats is probably always on BTN. I don't watch enough BTN to know. I think campus seats is probably on there 24-7. When it's not a sport, it's, it's campus seats. Just play campus seats, BTN. Don't pretend like you want to play Nebraska baseball when you didn't even carry game one. You had I don't even know what else was on uh, at that time. I'm sure another baseball game. But still, it's like if, you, if you're so adamant about getting these this this programming on and you almost cost Nebraska a shot of the Big Ten title because they were not allowed to play Sunday and imagine if it got pushed back to Saturday well we're supposed to have storms all throughout the afternoon so you could you could quite imagine BTN headquarters and Jim Delaney and all those people who might have cost Nebraska a shot of the Big Ten title because they wanted to game at eight, 8 o'clock anyway and ranked <laughs> just saying well done no I it's it's it is strange to me that I mean they're not preempting any other live programming at six o'clock, right? I guess the, like they could, the they could have started that game, you know, whatever half hour, forty five minutes after the first one, then right. just put it on the air. Hey, guess what? Your target audience 
is probably going to be paying attention to the happenings at Haymarket Park, and they'll maybe be aware that the game is starting. Because the other game was they'll like, what, Rutgers in. and uh, was it in Indiana? Yeah, that was the other game, and that one's not nearly as consequential. The other thing, too, is that BTN has well, it like was, their... kind of. I mean, Indiana's in first place now. Well, okay, not consequential to Nebraska now that they lost, but <laughs> maybe I should, should... Well, it was consequential either way, because Nebraska and Michigan were both in contention for first right. place. Right, well, anyway... Point still stands. What what BTN needs is they need those little spill off channels. They need like ESPN. They have a family of networks. They have it though. They well, have they those do, extra channels. They don't use it. No one had. Well, they don't use them because I think if you flip around a BTN, there's like the same thing is on all those channels. The other thing too is they that they use have, it like two Saturdays a year. They have like BTN plus fifty plus plus plus, and it's no one has it. No one no one has BTN plus. It doesn't work. I I don't think even Jim Delaney has BTN plus. No I bet a lot. Of, I bet a lot of the the baseball parents. Have BTN Plus subscriptions because <laughs> oh, that's them. pretty much the only way you can watch like seventy five percent of those games. This is true. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. BTN's all in on baseball when they uh, they go wall to wall on a wrestling tournament for nine hours, but when it comes to, to baseball, they would rather shove it off at nine o'clock. So there, there you have it. Speaking of, so looking before we um, I have some thoughts on the on the Michigan series too, but the before we get to that, I have the the Big Ten. Uh, scenarios. I was uh, in my room with the the red string, you know, pointing out all the, <laughs> circling all the scenarios. So you have uh, Nebraska now. Um, they can't finish obviously first or second. Uh, they are now um, either going to be three or uh, fourth or third, fourth or fifth. And so now that means for the the seeding of the of the Big Ten tournament, um, the three seed uh, would play. The number six seed at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday. That would actually preempt uh, the morning show <laughs> by half an hour. So that's quite an early early start there next Wednesday in Omaha. Now, Nebraska, though, uh, if they are a four or five seed, they would play at 9 p.m., meaning that they're probably going to get a start at like 9.45 again because the game sometimes go long. So that's you're, again, looking at some late night in a brace ball, which is going to oh, yeah. be a pain. Now, if Nebraska uh, does play in the 9 p.m. game, um, or rather, we'll start with the 9 a.m. game. They need both Minnesota and Illinois uh, to win today. So that's probably not very likely. Chances are, if if either um, Minnesota or Illinois wins, that means that Nebraska is either a four or five seed, and they're going to be playing at 9 p.m. and get your bring your uh, pillow, so to speak, uh, for the game. So that's that's fun. I love I love Big Ten and their their times. Great 9 a.m., 1 p.m., five nine o'clock. I'm done. <laughs> Can you tell I'm frustrated? <laughs> I woke up with a crick in my neck. I uh, there was people hammering on the roof uh, of my apartment complex at seven in the morning. That was fun. I just just love it all all around. By the way, today's guest, Mark Silverman, president of BTN Programming, he's going to be on in just a few minutes. <laughs> get in get in line with your questions now. Four seven nine four. Going to line that up. They, they were on the phones with the uh, with all the 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 cufflinks and cologne big shots at BTN trying to trying to figure out what to do. Um, yesterday, I think, with the, at least the Husker Athletic Department was so. Yeah, um, I, the the whole f- it was it was a fiasco, and the fact that there was like no storm, there was sprinkles going on, and then uh, I was not in the ballpark. I was at home, the comfort of my couch, uh, and and bed for part of it, depending on what time of the night it was. But you were also looking at uh, the nine forty five start time, and at like nine forty, there was about a five minute downpour. Yeah. As as starting lineups are being put out and and people are like scrambling for the concourse, like it could couldn't have happened uh, couldn't have happened any better. Yeah, what a grand stage that was that game that that really. I mean, well, and here's the the thing. I guess um uh, I've dilly dallied for too long. Just talking about Nebraska baseball real quick. Just in that 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 turnaround they've had. I mean, and even this loss. Um, I mean, Nebraska posted quite a few runs, but you're also looking at, at unfortunately for resettings. Um, you know, where he's on a two days shorter rest than normal. Of course, maybe it was closer to to one day shorter rest because they played so <laughs> so late. But um, you know, so that that's that's kind of a tough position for Reese to be in. Um, but even that said, they they still um they still just posted Michigan there uh in in game one and game two. Um, and so and, and Nate Fisher when he is on the mound, I mean, you're looking at. You're looking at like one of the best pitchers, you know, in college baseball. I mean, granted, I, don't, I, mean, I think at the beginning of the season there were a little bit of um, some shakiness there, but you look at how he performed against Arizona State and how he performed against Michigan, um, like which is really good competition. Of course, Michigan are are still the league leaders, right? Or is that 
Uh, Michigan will win the league right. if Indiana loses. So, Indiana wins if they win. So yeah, so so Nate Fisher is, and he also beat Baylor at the beginning of the year. I was he on the mound for Texas Tech or was that Waldron? I don't remember. I think it might have been Fisher, but I, I think that could be Waldron. Either or, they're both been pitching great. So yeah. that's that's the one thing about both of them is that when they're on the mound, uh, and I know Waldron had that one game where it, it didn't really work out, but but Fisher especially has have, have just been amazing. I mean they they're just him mowing through guys. There were so many big hacks yesterday that I was watching where guys were just swinging out of their shoes uh, to try to get a piece of, of what they were throwing. It just was not working. So yeah. uh, I think a, lo- a large part of the offensive production too has been solved by Angel Altavilla coming up big. Um, he had a number of RBIs. He had Jackson Hallmark with a three-run shot. Aaron Polensky came in there with that shot in game one of that doubleheader. Um, and I don't have the blow-by-blow, blow, of course, of game two because I was fast asleep <laughs> in my in my bed. But I do know that, like, in the fifth inning, or it was the fourth inning where Nebraska, fifth inning, where Nebraska was up, right? When they And then they then it kind of unraveled from there. I believe it was the fifth. Yeah. Um, if It was the fourth or fifth because you had Michigan who was – they put some runs on the board. Um, in the it was the fourth. They got two to stretch their lead to three nothing, and then Nebraska got four to take the lead briefly in the fourth. Added one in the fifth, and then gave up five in the sixth. Right. Yeah, and so it, you know it, it was. Uh, to be honest, I, I think winning the series was the 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 first priority. You did have a shot to sweep, um, and as and as awesome as that would have been, you have an outside chance at sharing a Big Ten title. Uh, to come from where they were to end up where they are now, I mean, there's t- there's times where you've seen Nebraska with a similar type of record, a similar type of Big Ten finish, and maybe they'll get a similar type of NCAA tournament seed. But I think the difference with this team right now is they're they're kind of on that upward trend. Uh, having played two teams as good as they are at the end of the season, Arizona State and Michigan. Uh, to have performed as well as they did winning both of those series, uh, getting pitching, getting timely hitting, those are those are encouraging signs that I don't think you've seen out of this Nebraska program over the last couple of seasons when they have not had postseason success. Um, so if you're looking for a little hope out there, I think that's where you I think that's where it lies. You 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 look at how they've been playing lately, uh, and you think, hey, you know what? That that's something that they can build off of. Um, that's something that they that they can take into Omaha and something that they can take into the Big Ten tournament and and then you know beyond into the NCAA tournament, which you would think they have locked up by now. And if they had locked up at least a share of the Big Ten title against Michigan, well, then I would be channeling some Scofro, some Scofro bro. That at least been, a share. That would have been poetic. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the drop to play it. But uh, speaking of some shakeups, um, which we're going to take a break here and, and get into that with our guest Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Uh, the Nebraska basketball team has seen some movement, just a little bit, uh, yeah. on the roster. Uh, we're going to break that down for you uh, with uh, Mr. Padill of Hale Varsity coming up for you next. This is the K-Line Husker Hour. Patrick is a construction worker who needed the Salvation Army's Pathway of Hope program. I had two rotator cuff surgeries. I was off for about seven months. With no paychecks, he and his two-year-old daughter needed help and found it. They helped me with utilities, food, programs to participate in with my daughter. Pathway of Hope helps in tough times. If it wasn't for Salvation Army, I don't know where I'd be at right now. You're helping people like Patrick and his daughter get through the tough times when you give to Lincoln's Salvation Army. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Hey folks, welcome back to a KLIN Husker Hour here for you on a Saturday morning. I'm Tim Curran with me in studio, Cole Stugenholtz. And joining us on the phone lines, folks, ladies and gentlemen, Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity here to give us an entire oral history of the last month of Fred Hoiberg and his insane, insane basketball uh, building here. So, so Jacob, we're just going to toss it to you, uh, and then you can just fill it up to the 10 o'clock hour just talking about all the players, right? Sound good? <laughs> well, you could probably do that if you wanted to. But, uh, <laughs> I, I might end up rambling a little bit. So you probably want to guide me a little bit here. All right, we'll, 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 we'll be kind to you because we know it's been quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of a month for everyone. I think involved in, in covering Nebraska athletics, it's been it's been quite a well, not not really a month, more than that, the entire month of April and in, 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 into May. Um, I guess just my my first question um, is, 
you know, is is this like is this type of job that Hoiberg has done bringing in all these players? I know he did a little bit this Iowa State. That's that's what you kind of marked in your piece there. You did for Hale Varsity. I'd encourage everyone to go on to the internet and check that out. Um, but I mean, is this like a is this unprecedented just in how fast he's turned around this this roster? I mean, just in cross of all college basketball. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's unprecedented. There's been a lot of situations where guys um, came into situations and ended up having to do something like this. A lot of times guys do look elsewhere when um, a, a new coach takes over. And um, But I will say, this I, I've never seen it quite like this uh, in, that I've been following personally. Um, not only the the fact that he was able to completely flip the entire roster in uh, just over a month, but also um, their hit rate on these guys. Um, that's kind of what I, I wrote about that on Tuesday is uh, how they managed to close on a high, high number of the guys that they really uh, targeted and honed in on and um, got to campus and all those things. And, uh, then they went ahead and uh, made two more players after that. So, uh, Fred's not thinking about uh, us. He's, he's just, you know, just forging forward. He saw your peace, but and he said, oh, boy, you're going to have to update that in about 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Uh, more content this time of year is always a good thing. So give me another thing to write about. But, yeah, so it, it's been really impressive, uh, their ability to kind of hone in on guys and convince them that, hey, Nebraska has everything you want. Um, this go the second go around for these transfers, um, and also to the high school kids as well. They've kind of you look at this roster, this class, and they've basically taken advantage of every path possible to uh, getting kids into your program from sit out transfers, junior college transfers, grad transfers, traditional high school students overseas. So th- this class has has it all in Hoiberg's uh, first year in Lincoln. Joined by Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity covers Husker hoops, uh, among other things, over there. Hey, Jacob, this week in particular, we we on this show with just an hour a week, we kind of tend to just uh, kind of summarize what just happened since the last time we were on the air the previous Saturday. Uh, and just looking at Nebraska's uh, Twitter feed, the the official Husker hoops Twitter feed, uh, you go back to that week, you got four guys. In the in the picture section, doing the flex with the basketball, who were not officially committed the prior week. You start with Yvonne Wade-Drago. You got Kevin Cross, who I think most most people kind of saw were on the radar, and then Derek Walker and Samari Curtis, both kind of out of nowhere. Uh, just explain the last week for you, and and how much you may have seen coming, and how much just came out of left field. Yeah, well, and even before that, uh, Shamil Stevenson yeah. from Nevada um, kind of started things off. So they managed to get four guys in less than a week, which is crazy. But, yeah, yeah I think we had a pretty good idea about both uh, Ivan Oidrago and Kevin Cross. Uh, they both had Nebraska um, down in their, in their final few guys and, um, I, I didn't know if Nebraska would be able to get both of them. I didn't know if one committing would scare off the other, but um, that clearly wasn't the case. And um, Nebraska beat out TCU for both these guys and a couple other guys that they've looked at uh, have visited TCU. So um, kind of been some interesting battles, the Horn Frogs after the uh, um, both making the NIT this year. But um, yeah, uh, Drago is a, uh, Big, big kid uh, listed at two. Uh, first time I saw him, he was listed at I think six seven two thirty. Then I saw like six nine two forty in uh, uh, Jonathan Gavoni's piece, kind of uh, uh, spoiling the kid's announcement a little bit uh, the night before he committed. Yeah. And then, uh, Nebraska's official release has him at six nine two sixty. Hmm. So this is a big kid who can really rebound the ball, and he's going to be seventeen for the entire season. He's uh, one of the youngest players in this entire 2019 class. So it'll be interesting to see how well he's able to adjust early on um, playing on a whole new continent uh, with kids two, three years older than him. But um, he's a a nice little piece for the front court there. He'll play the five for them. And then Kevin Cross is kind of a bit of a a late bloomer. Um, He uh, uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas, 
ended up uh, having a really good senior year and um, picked up some late, uh, a few late offers and um, got a little bit more ability to stretch the floor than Roy Drago does, but uh, he's a, another big body at about 6'8", 240. Um, can, again, we'll play the five and potentially some four, depending on what the lineups are, but um, so those, those are the, the two guys that we kind of expected. And then they landed Derek Walker, um, transfer from Tennessee, um, who was playing behind guys like Kyle Alexander and Grant Williams and had a nice little decent role as a freshman, but, um, played almost every game this year, but played less than 10 minutes a game and just wasn't really part of the picture for them. Um, I think he, he would have had a bigger role next season, but, um, decided, you know what, I, I got to find somewhere else for me and he'll sit out this year, help on the scout team, kind of help toughen up those young big guys going up against them in practice and physical dude, another, um, six, eight, two thirty five, somewhere in that range. Um, I think they'll kind of polish the skills a little bit during this year off, uh, um, like they will with, uh, Delano Banton, um, and, they they have mentioned they liked having multiple guys that are going to sit out a, a season mm-hmm. um, when they bring in transfers that have a, a guy to go through that with as opposed to kind of being on your own. And, and then Samari Curtis, uh, who was completely out of left field. I mean, I know that they, <laughs> they offered when uh, uh, he decommitted from Xavier, but this is a kid who uh, originally decommitted from Xavier and then uh, when uh, their coach left and then he uh, committed to Cincinnati, and then McCronin left. So this is a kid that kind of similar to Shamil Stevenson is everywhere he goes, he uh, ends up losing his coat. So now I think he uh, won't have to worry about that at Nebraska. Um, kid who's just absolute bucket getter, 34 points a game, uh, Mr. Ohio basketball um, as a senior at a 52-point game, multiple 40-point games. So. This is a kid that uh, can really uh, put the ball through the hole. He's got good size, about 6'4 for an off guard. So not quite sure where he fits into uh, the, the kind of the depth chart for this first season, but he's a heck of a kid to add uh, as your kind of just last piece of the class. Yeah, it might be kind of hard to, to answer right now. I know that you kind of alluded it a little bit too in your answer there, but of all the approximately 98 people that have been added to the roster, signees <laughs> or otherwise, uh, who do you think is the most ready-made to make an impact in year one under Hoiberg? Um, I, I think it's Cam Mack and Gervais Green for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I, I, I re- I'm really high on both those guys, and um, I think they're going to come in and start right away and um, could potentially be uh, all-conference type guys over the next couple of years uh, in Lincoln. I, and that's kind of part of the my, my point in the that piece that you referenced for Hill Varsity is um, you go out and get two guys like that and then add a couple of uh, graduate transfers in Mate Kava and uh, Hani Cheatham. Um, I think those guys kind of more role players, but the, the, they're perfect fits for what Hoiberg wants to do, and they'll be able to allow Nebraska to kind of ease this transition and be competitive in year one, maybe even a little bit more than that first team in Iowa State was when kind of most of the talent he brought in um, was in the, the sit-out transfers. He had four or five guys there that set out. So um, I, I think uh, mm-hmm. Green in particular, um, especially playing off of Mac, I think that is going to be a dynamic backcourt for the next two years. Well, we know um, one of the guys who is, well, I, we can't say it definitively, but but most likely is not going to be with the team Next season is Isaiah Roby. Um, I know he's been uh, in Chicago for the NBA Combine. Um, of what you've been able to kind of watch, I know they've, they've aired some of that on television. Um, what have you kind of made of, of Isaiah Roby? And I don't know if you're willing to, to put the uh, NBA Draft Scout hat on it and actually nail mm-hmm. down a spot or team <laughs> that he's going to go to. But just what do you kind of make of Isaiah Roby and, and how he's looking right now in the, in the Combine? Yeah, I don't know if I can nail down a team. Uh, I know he's interviewed with a few guys. He's uh, getting ready to set up some uh, workouts for them after the combine. But it's it's been interesting. He's obviously drawn a lot of praise on the, the TV broadcast from Jay Billis and Mike Schmitz as well, um, two of the ESPN's guys there. And he, uh, he he measured pretty well in a lot of areas. Um, good length. Uh, his, his movement, his sprints, his uh, shuttle drill. Um, all, all that stuff was really good. One of the best for a, a forward there. 
Um, the the vert, the max vertical leap was disappointing. Um, 35 and a half inches, which is, it was only um, three inches taller than his standing vertical, which I'm not quite sure what happened there. Obviously, he showed some explosion throughout his career with a couple of the poster dunks and near poster dunks he's had. So that that was kind of surprising, as was his weight. He only weighed in at 214 pounds, um, and he was listed at 230 this year at Nebraska, uh, but also 3.9% body fat. So um, that's one of the lowest of the combine. So I think he can still put on some weight on that uh, frame. So I don't think mm-hmm. that's a, a big issue. But he, he's certainly flashed. I, I think the best way I can put it is he, he uh, pretty much has looked like Nebraska Isaiah Roby during these scrimmages where he's made some really impressive plays, but he's also struggled. Uh, shown some areas, a couple of turnovers, some bad shots. Uh, he has only hit one or two jumpers the whole time. Um, but he's made, he had a couple of dunks. He had, uh, some really impressive takes to the rim off the bounce and transition. Um, so I, I definitely think he's helping himself. Um, but I, I, I don't know that he's shown everything he's needed to. Um, so I think it'll come down to which, uh, team sees that talent and has most confidence in themselves and their development program to get the most out of him. And we're looking probably early second round. Um, I know Jay Billis keeps mentioning he thinks he could sneak into the late first, but uh, that's kind of the range I think we're looking at, the 25 and then all the way down to 45, somewhere in that range, I think. Be interesting to see where he lands for sure. Another minute or two here with Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity, covers Husker hoops uh, for them. And uh, I guess uh, one more here before we let you go. We talked a little bit about Cam Mack and Gervais Green, how you expect them to – um, to be big contributors of this team, uh, do you think we'll know like any? Not definitively, unless you know we hear it maybe directly from Hoiberg, and even then, it might just be kind of a smokescreen. When will we know like what this team's makeup is going to look like? Uh, bef- maybe even before uh, Big Ten Conference. Like how how soon do you think it becomes clear to everybody watching this squad what it's going to look like uh, for the majority of the 2019-20 season? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that uh, that'll go a long, long way towards determining what kind of season they have. It, it'll be nice to have this overseas trip they've got coming up here. Yeah. Um, kind of get all these guys on the court at the same time. They'll get those practice. Even more important than the games is the early practices where guys can really get a feel for playing with each other um, this summer. So th- that'll be huge. Um and then uh, we don't know the full non-conference slate yet, but uh, um, I guess as that is revealed, we'll kind of have an idea of how how much they're going to test themselves early versus giving themselves some winnable games to kind of build up um, th- some confidence in each other. And um, I <laughs> obviously never having seen most of these guys, uh, I have no idea how long it'll take. But um, I think by conference play, you'll at least have an idea of how this team wants to play and kind of have guys start to settle in roles here. And then from then on, it's uh, kind of going to be a battle there like it always is in the Big Ten. All right, Jake, with that, we will let you go. Um, go on a long vacation. Uh, take a long <laughs> walk. You, you have earned it. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Jacob. That was Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Always does good work with them, and uh, yeah, I think needless to say, I think everyone covering uh, uh, Nebraska basketball right now uh, is, is sort of, uh, you know, feeling a little gassed, uh, so to speak. It's like they're they've hit the wall in the in their marathon of this uh, Hoiberg transition. Oh yeah, I I think I think what everybody who's cover who covers this program needs right now, I think everybody should just go into the Hendricks complex, <laughs> get to put on the jersey. And then do the 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 basically the full on template, the glamour shot, the Nebraska basketball recruit commitment treatment here, where you've got <laughs> like I didn't realize this. Literally every one of the recruits they've gotten has the same pose for their picture. You're in that hallway of the Hendricks Center. The you have the lights. jersey on. You got the you got the flex, mm-hmm. but you have the ball up on your right shoulder. Of course, showing the Adidas and Nebraska logos. You're mean mugging for the camera, 
and then you got the welcome name, school, hometown, <laughs> etc. Like I feel like I I feel like we are oh, like all of us, Robin Washit, uh, Michael Brunts, Chris Hetty with you know with his glasses and his and his corduroy <laughs> jacket. You know, like all that. You need to have every single one of these guys who's covering this team get in there. May I I might just go in the backyard and throw one together myself. <laughs> just, just put my own Adidas logo on a basketball and call it a day. I want access to the ice bath. I, I'm I'm all beaten up. Um anyway, we gotta we gotta take a break here. Uh more of the KLN House Crowd coming up after this. Thinking about selling your home? To get the maximum selling price, call Patch Pros before you list. Patch Pros can make those water stained ceilings, dented, cracked, and damaged areas disappear. All it takes is one call. I'm Steve Herman, owner of Patch Pros. We can make those years of wear and tear on your walls and ceilings disappear. Most people are surprised how little it costs and wonder why they didn't call us earlier. Do you seven when applying? Avant.com, code 3737. That's Avant.com, code 3737. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to it. Uh, hope you enjoyed that discussion with Jacob Badella breaking down all this insane, insane Nebraska ball um, roster updates. Uh, ever since he was hired in, in late March, um, he's brought in a bunch of players. In fact, they're all officially signed. The only guy who is not officially signed, um, I believe, is Charlie Easley. He's the Lincoln kid, the Lincoln Pius, uh, the 10th there. He was the only one. Um, he's a walk-on, so not a scholarship player, but I think he's the only guy who's not actually officially, yeah, technically. not on the roster. On, on the, the roster. Com yet. Of course, none of them have their pictures either. This is very amusing to go. you got 3, 6, 9, 12. 12 of the players on Nebraska Ball's online roster have no picture. Uh, and one of them, Isaiah Roby, is going to be gonzo very soon. So <laughs> I, w- I just want him to migrate the uh, the flex uh, pictures from from social might media as well, right? I mean, everybody's got the same. You you have some consistency there. Everybody's given the same expression. You got the same Adidas <laughs> Nebraska logos right there on your right shoulder. Let's, yeah, let's just do that. Well, they have done. those hanging up too in the Hendrix. I remember that they're gonna the Hendrix right now is gonna be different because. Uh, if you go inside the Hendricks training complex, they have the basketball court, and if you look up over one of the hoops, uh, I'm not sure which direction it'd be facing, but over one of the hoops, you have all the banners, and um, you have all the players there. And, and so I was laughing, at, you know, Brady Hyman and mean mugging the <laughs> thing. You know, he's not the most intimidating person ever, but oh, yeah. but there it is. And then so you have you have all that, and so they, I wonder if they're they're probably working overtime, just tearing down all the old <laughs> Nebraska paraphernalia, so to speak. But I'm kind of looking at the roster now. And I'm I'm curious to get your kind of input on this too. But the guy who is most intriguing to me, whether or not he'll be he'll have the most impact or not, like, like Jacob was saying, I think it might take him some time. But it's got to be uh, Ivan Wedraogo because not only is he from France and played some European basketball at the at the European Championships, the U sixteen, the youth championships, but still, um, and he's 17 years old, coming straight from Europe. Um, like a high school player to to Nebraska, that's super interesting to me. Also, the the way that th- just a few highlights he showed. I'm not going to pretend like I'm you know Jay Billis, but he is not only a big man. Apparently, he's listed as six nine. He's still a growing boy at seventeen, so maybe he'll be seven five by the time he gets out of here. But he can really move. Um, and he's he's got the finesse, kind of like like you think an Isaiah Roby has. He's, he's a little bit bulkier, obviously, than Isaiah Roby as we're talking about. Isaiah, Isaiah Roby looks a little bit like a string bean sometimes. Um, but he's got like a touch on the basket. Of course, he, he can play. He's not like a shooter because he he plays mostly back to the basket. But he certainly can can move around the top of the key and, and give you that action there. So I, I look at Ivan Wajdrago, and maybe it's just because um, uh, maybe you can call me a Francophile, but I don't know. That's just a, he seems to be the most intriguing. Any any uh, do you agree? Disagree? What's your what's your take on this whole intrigueness? Intriguiness? I I will go with Samari Curtis, and it's that's it's, a good one. That's that's number two on my list. Because okay, so let's you start with the fact that not even the Nebraska basketball beat writers like Jacob Padilla, who just joined us, um, they didn't even know this kid was coming to campus. They didn't know he was in in play to, to come to Nebraska, and he's a he's he is the state of Ohio's Mister Basketball, which is a uh, this kid named Lib 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 Lebron Lebron <laughs> Lebron Jamit I thought you were to say Liana, and I was like, I got you there. Lebron but. James was Mister Ohio's bas- you know basketball yeah. Mister Basketball. So obviously you have uh, somebody who's highly recruited, and and it just so happens that 
Chris Mack and Mick Cronin take jobs when he's recruited to them, and so he's just kind of hanging out there. He gets out of his scholarship, and Fred Hoiberg swoops in to, to bring him into Nebraska. I, to the fact that he was completely under the radar. Well, there was. Um, I will and, say this real quick. There was a little bit of ink. Now, now it, it was under the radar, and the fact that we knew that he took a visit, but because of all the things that happened, and it was a while ago, there was so much time in between that, and that people said, okay, well, I guess Nebraska's filled up the roster now, now that they have all their 13 scholarships up. That was what was expected about it. I don't think it was so much that he was off the radar as it was that everyone thought it was over until Samari Curtis said, I'm coming. Yeah, and then you can say, all right, sorry, Roby, you're not coming back anyway. <laughs> yeah, just it's just like the, the fact that nobody nobody knew he was going to commit. Right, like that was that was completely out of left field, and so that's intriguing. In the fact that he's a four year player, you know, he's a he's a he's a freshman. He's coming in from high school, uh, and right. and we've talked a lot about Fred Hoiberg is going to be able to hit these this transfer market. He's going to be able to hit the junior colleges and and get you know you got Cam Mack and he you know convinced Gervais Green to stay. Um, he's got grad transfers coming in. All of those things are great, but ultimately, uh, some of the best players from Hoiberg's time at at Iowa State were four-year players, Georges Niang, chief among them. Right. So the fact that you got a kid in your first year who's going to be a four-year guy out of high school and and comes as, as Jacob Padil was saying, you know, 34 points per game, had a 50-point game in high school, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely huge. And so seeing how he fits, um, seeing him uh, come in and, 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 and watching what he'll be able to do developing with this roster – uh, that's most intriguing to me because, you know, we we talked a lot about it with the Tim Miles era. You got transfers, great. What can you do in recruiting four year players? Um, I think his best, his, you know, the best guys that he got un- under his tutelage, um, you know, Ty Webster from overseas, and then you had Glenn Watson and Isaiah Roby. Right. Um, so is Fred Hoiberg going to be able to better that? I think everybody would expect that he would. And man, Samari Curtis is a great place to start. Well, the one thing that was I was kind of curious about, and I think a lot of people were. Um, when Fred Hoiberg was brought in was, you know, obviously we knew that he had the ties to the NBA, yep. but you didn't know just how much that Fred Hoiberg's name would carry with recruits just because, you know, sometimes it's fickle. Sometimes they, they think, oh, Fred Hoiberg. Well, I, I've heard of Tyron Lue. I've heard of, you know, the, such and this guy. But but Fred Hoiberg, obviously, and I think Matt Abdelmassi plays obviously a huge part in this too, Um and just he sells himself. I mean, just by who he is. I know the coaching staff has said as much um, back in April during their media availabilities. Um, and it sounds like this cliche thing to say, but it's true. I mean, it, he he just obviously sells himself. And so a guy like Samari Curtis is a guy you would expect to commit um, down the road. You would expect a guy like Samari Curtis to to say, okay, I see year three now under Hoiberg. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Now I'm going to commit. I know this is stable. But Samari Curtis immediately is sold. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not getting that from the history of Nebraska ball, which, as uh, we he's have not? discussed <laughs> often on this program, is not the most storied legacy of all the uh, all the hoops programs out there, to put it lightly. Um, so the fact that, that Fred Hoiberg basically sells himself, I mean, it's not necessarily like, I mean, if you, if you compare this recruiting hall to, say, Duke or Kentucky, I'm not sure exactly where the ranking would fall in. I'm, I'm or sure, Memphis. Or, yeah, or Memphis. I know they, they had a great... Uh, recruiting hall as well. I I know it probably doesn't stack up necessarily like that, but I mean, just just think about how he completely transformed the roster in a month. I mean, basically in a month. It, it, that's just how impressive this is. So, I mean, you look at the guys too. I mean, Tate Cobbs I think deserves mention too. He's a six foot eight um, guard who uh, is a senior and can shoot three balls. That's something that Nani Kenton was ostensibly able to do, but did not. And now he's off the team. Um, Shamil Stevenson, again, he's going to at least be ineligible until the spring of 2020. December. Uh, might get it. He would well, be the eligible. spring semester, I should yeah, say. Yeah, he'd be eligible to play in December unless right. they get a waiver. So he, so unless he gets a waiver, yeah. And yep. then Cam Mack, yeah. uh, ready to go as well. Um, Derek Walker, of course, has to sit. Uh, Wade Drago, again, we're not really sure if he'll play immediately or not. Uh, Jervé Green ready to go. Osamari Curtis also, he, he could be a guy that plays immediately. Kevin Cross is the guy I think I have. I don't want to say the most questions about because I don't want to sound like I'm doubting him, but like like Jacob was saying, he's a late bloomer. The numbers don't necessarily pop out at you, and you think, okay, he's a big guy, so you need you like that you like the fact that he's a big body in the team, but you don't necessarily he doesn't jump out on the screen like a White Drago does. Um, so, but that that's that's not that's not me trying to knock him. That's just me just have some questions. He might just need a little bit more time. Yeah, but in terms of his body, I mean, he's he's right up there. Wade Drago's listed at two sixty, and Shamil right. Stevenson at two forty five. Cross is two forty. That's the third. 
third heaviest kid on the roster and at six eight. So if you need size in that Big Ten schedule, which you do, um, you know, at least a body to go out there and, and body up somebody and get some fouls. Because Akola Rope be was like the that. biggest person on the team before this. Well, so. and, and Akola Rope, yeah, he was for the, for the longest time he was the only one listed as a forward. Yeah. Like yeah, you, you literally you had uh, Thor and, and Deshaun Burke are guards, and then everybody else on the roster up until May tenth when Shamil Stevenson well Shamil Stevenson's a guard, but you have Dre uh, Wade Drogo, Kevin Cross, and Derek Walker are all listed as forwards. The only forward other than that on the roster is a Cola Rope. <laughs> and Delano Banton wild. and Cabas uh, were Six, both eight guards. taller than him in guards. So yeah. that's. That's another kind of gem right there. Yep. Um, well, speaking of of recruiting, um, Nebraska actually did land a football recruit uh, over the weekend. We can talk a little bit about what um, I know. I know crazy stuff. Uh, we can talk about a little bit now and more coming up here in the next segment. This is the KLN Husker Hour. Honest Abe's Burgers and Freedom present another fact from the completely unreliable, truish life of Abraham Lincoln. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln's birthday and National Hamburger Day are less than four months apart? Coincidence? Well, it all makes sense now. When it comes to unraveling history's mysteries, they sure know burgers. Double A Tournament Birth, May 22nd to the 26th at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Welcome back, KLN Husker Hour. Show on until 10 o'clock. Got a few more minutes left for you. Uh, we were talking last segment about, of course, the basketball and all the extreme roster uh, goings-ons. Well, Nebraska football also had an addition as well, and a pretty important one, too. A grad transfer from Cal. Uh, I will attempt to pronounce his name now. Kunavai Noah, I believe is how it is pronounced. Kunavai. Kunavai. Because I saw on the Cal... Well. I did my research, not to brag. I went all the way to the Cal Media Guide from last season, and I looked at the the pronunciation guide, and it said Kun-A-Vi, but I'm also not sure if the V-I-E is supposed to pronounce V, so Kun-A-Vi, I believe, but it's spelled like Kan-A-Y, so it's Kun-A-Vi. Anyway, we're going to go with Kun-A-Vi. That's the official pronunciation here uh, on the KLN Husker Hour. I like it. But he is a grad transfer, and he is a receiver. And if you looked at the wide receivers in the spring, you hear a lot of coaches saying, hey, well, Andre Hunt's making some moves, and you've got, you know, uh, Wyatt Lever, he had that big touchdown pass that or reception that Cole called out apparently, so he, he's going to be inseparable about that for the rest of the time being. Wyatt um, Lever, and K- <laughs> you got Cade Ward, you got all these guys, but really the only person that had really solidified himself obviously was JD Spielman. So now that you have a guy with some experience under his belt coming in, I think that is has significantly kind of changed the the, the ball game here a little bit coming into this this season. Yeah, I mean it's it's helpful to have a guy who's got more experience and and more um, just having having done it uh, out right. on the on the field. So uh, ninety six career catches for twelve hundred thirty seven yards and six touchdowns uh, in his Cal career. His best year was his sophomore year. Uh, where he had the majority of those stats, 56 catches, 788, uh, and four of those six career touchdowns. Just for perspective, you have J.D. Spielman, just last year alone went for 818. He almost had 1,000 the year before uh, in his two seasons, uh, and last year J.D. had eight touchdowns. Beyond that, you have Jack Stoll, right. who last year went for 21 catches for 245 uh, and three touchdowns. Cade Warner, 17 catches, just 95 yards. Mike Williams, 12 catches for 122 yards. Brian Reimers, Kurt Raftall, single digits. Austin Allen, just two grabs. Wyatt Mazur, one. Jerron Woodyard, one. Like, there's there's a lot of fill-in-the-blank, uh, fill-in, you know, backfill Stanley Morgan's production um, that, you'll, that you'll have to do. Now, Maurice Washington... His status kind of up in the air still. Um, he's his next deal is now in June, I believe. Right. Yeah, another court appearance. Um, he had 24 catches for 221 yards. Um, there mm. was some grum, you know groundswell for hey, let's move him to receiver, but I, I think he's going to stay at running back. They certainly needed him there too. Both both positions are positions of need, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you were you were hearing a little bit of drumbeat from from the guys who follow recruiting, like you know what, if it's going to be a grad transfer, I think you'd see somebody at linebacker or wide receiver. You know the big biggest mm-hmm. places in need, and lo and behold, here we are. You get a guy at receiver who, um, you know, whether he ends up contributing or not, the fact that he's got production at a power five school, um, it, it can't hurt. 
I mean, it, I, I right. think it, I think it gives you it gives that room um, a little bit more credibility, and it, it gives other guys in that room somebody else to look at, see how he goes about doing his work, um, and and if they need him to produce. He's done it before, and, and I think you feel a little bit more confident about the offense with them doing it again. And this is just, I think, just goes to show you how long it takes a football team to develop. I know we've been talking about basketball, how quickly this has kind of happened, and of course, it's not going to be like they're they're winning, uh, they're going to the Final Four in year one under under Horvick, just making the Elite Eight, just being conservative. Um, but you, safe. You look at you look at how you, a guy like Darian Daniels, and now kind of I know a guys that were not on the roster last year and only going to have one season. You look at how big they're they're shaping up to be uh, in terms of impact on this team, and it, it, that just shows you how how many pieces you really need to be competitive. And you also look at like you were talking about the tight ends. I think the tight ends, um, if you don't have that third receiver option to go to, well, good thing is you have plenty of tight ends that can be most notably Jack Stoll, and so maybe they start running those old double tight end sets. <laughs> maybe yeah. Frost does that because I, I know in Northwestern they had those little seam routes they would hit, they'd hit them too. That, yep. that was that was impressive. Um, I think from Frost in terms of just offensive gamesmanship, and so I think I think that's what you can go to, and so it, the pieces are slowly starting to fit in, and it's not a hundred percent there, like like you said. I think especially um, at, at linebacker as well, another another outside linebacker. Maybe I should more specifically say there's still areas that need to be addressed technically in terms of that, but right now you're slowly looking at okay, we're going to turn to guys like. Um, Wandale Robinson, um, who and we just give him the ball and say, "All right, we know you're a freshman, but take the ball and run because this is wide open." Same mm-hmm. thing with Adrian Martinez is what they did with him last year, and yeah. that turned out pretty well. So, you, I think you can be afford to be cautiously optimistic about next season if you're Nebraska. Yeah, and and you mentioned Darian Daniels, and and look, I don't think either one of us are going to pretend that that Conovay Noah has the type of equity already in the program that Darian Daniels right. has. Daniels has taken that that defense by the horns and he's just stepped up and been a leader for them. Um, you know, per everybody who, who's, you know, talked to the media and, and, and some of the media who's seen a lot of those interactions. I mean, just, I, I you mentioned the tight end part too. Uh, you can have Jack Stoll at least do what he did last year, if not step it up a little bit, but I think it's big to have either Rafdal or Austin Allen, or maybe right. even Katerian Legron if he can, um, have one of those other guys step up and hit double digit receptions, maybe get to fifteen or twenty, uh, and that helps the whole deal go too. Because you know whether or not Conovainoa ends up being the second leading receiver on the night on the twenty nineteen Nebraska team, I, I, that's not necessarily what's important. What's important is that he 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 brings uh, he brings a level of of hey he's done it before. Um, it's it's kind of like. Uh, he never did anything. I can't think of the kid's name. He came in at corner. He was a transfer, like really, really late. Was uh, one of the guys that just left? Will Jackson. That's his oh. name. Will Jackson came in at corner, and you, you kind of got the sense that, like, oh, uh, this guy's coming in, and he's going to take uh, one of these starting jobs. He didn't do anything, but <laughs> but you you don't like that's still the 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 dynamic within the locker room. Like, hey, this guy is here uh, to start over me. I need to step right. my game up. Maybe this is what gets Andre Hunt going. Maybe this is what gets Jerron Woodyard going. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, uh, production on the field from Noah to make this a big move. But if it if it leads to big, you know, if it leads to big anything from the rest of that offense, um, particularly with the pass catching at receiver or tight end, uh, then it's worth it. Yeah. And before we take a break, yeah, just one quick note. You saw a little bit of that too with Trey Neal. Um, at times yeah. there were, yeah. So, so Trey Neal, um, at times, um, there were some, there were some kind of slip ups. Um, but he was one of those guys that, that really kind of knew Trenander's system and, and was good with, um, he got better at PBUs as the season went on and kind of going for the strip a little bit. So that was, that was interesting to see him. You, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that you wouldn't confuse him with, you know, like an NFL guy an NFL safety by right. any means, but, um, and and he did have some slip ups, but he he did know the defense in terms of where to where to put guys um, was probably invaluable in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now you see you know you saw towards the end of your Deontay Williams really step up, and now Deontay Williams poised to um, to take that job and run with it. All right, got to step aside here for one quick break, one final segment of the show. When we come back, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. It's always disheartening to hear of someone taking advantage of seniors in our community. Whether it is the broken promise of services not performed or a call from someone requesting money be sent, you just have to be careful. 
It's good to know there is a funeral home in your community that has been around since 1883 and has become known as the funeral home family and friends recommend. We'd love to get to know you, too. If we can assist you with your pre-planning, we'd be happy to arrange a short visit. Eutheris Mason and Love at 40th and A Street, recommended by family and friends. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Hey folks, welcome back. KLIN Husker Hour here for you on Saturday, winding down uh, real quickly. In case you missed it, um, last night, or rather early this morning, of course, Nebraska baseball fell to Michigan 10 to 8. No longer can get a share, at least a share, of the Big Ten title. Um, and now you're looking at a three or a five seed in the Big Ten tournament. Again, they're going to need Minnesota and Illinois to both lose if they want to avoid the dreaded 9 p.m. time slot on Wednesday night, which I am I am praying for. So please, please, North, I think the, yeah, Northwestern and Mich- Michigan State, time to put on your rally caps and uh, get it done because I don't want to be up till, till 2. My GoFundMe for sending Tim to the 9 o'clock <laughs> uh, game is up. It is a verified GoFundMe. <laughs> Go ahead and hit it up. Uh, yeah, I don't think that. It's like to say, I don't think I'd be doing that morning sports cast if I if I made it out to that game. So uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to call that quits. Um, but like we like we mentioned um, at the start of the show, I mean, it's been quite a quite a turnaround. I mean, you, you kind of look at technically, yes, they could finish fifth, but I don't know if that would would accurately you know just just reflect on how they finished the season here on the Arizona State Michigan series. Yeah, I I I think if you get caught up in you know obviously you want to see where they're going to play where they end up in the standings that those those standings live forever and you want to finish as high as you can. But um, I think right now the most important part of of how to look at what the season ended up as is the fact that they're on that upward trend. We talked about it earlier in the show uh, to where that has not always been the case. You've seen Nebraska come out of the box, you know, pretty quick in Big Ten play and then fizzle at the end. Granted, they did fizzle in the middle of the season uh, and, and relatively, you know, maybe the middle late part of the season in the Big Ten. But the to finish the way they did against Michigan, who was leading the conference, just dominating them in two games and then, you know, you know, playing a pretty pretty back and forth affair in the third one, uh, just kind of let it get away from you in the middle uh, of that third game. It, it's it's encouraging and it's a good sign to see that Nebraska is on that upward trend heading into postseason play. Where if we're being fair, Darren Erstad has struggled and really needs to make hay this season uh, to to give this this program some momentum going into an off season where all those young guys who played it the first time this year they'll get a shot to build on that next season. That's right. That was Cole Stugenholz. I'm Tim Curran. Uh, again, no Husker baseball for you today as uh, the, the game wrapped up, or rather the series wrapped up uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, but whether the games are played at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m., we'll have them for you here on KLIN uh, beginning on Wednesday for the Big Ten tournament. We'll see how Nebraska does there. Uh, we'll see you next week.